Alright, then that's legit. Okay, let's go. Too legit, don't quit. Hey, hey. That's nice. Thanks. Well, hey, everybody, and welcome to The Debrief, a weekly Q&A show from your friends here at Sandals Church. My name is Justin Party. I'm your co-host. For the rest of the episode, you can just call me Rumbly, rumbly Tummy because my, my tummy's rumbling. I'm, I'm pretty hungry. It's making me a little bit cranky, but that's okay because my pals here, co-host Stephanie Schaefer, What's up, guys? sitting across the table, and then our boy PMB, the pastor, Matt Brown. What's the thing that uh, t- tall Tim Holly calls you? Trusted leader. Pastor, yeah, Matt that's Brown. my cult name. Yeah. Okay. Oh, trusted leader. Okay. Trusted leader. Trusted it's better leader. than supreme leader. Yeah, I don't get that until we've raised the ten million dollars yeah. at the very least from yeah. the uh, Momentum Project yeah. of Faith. Okay. So right now, our trusted <laughs> right now leader. I'm hopeful leader. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, friends, we are so glad you're here. We're in the middle of a series called Forty Days of Faith, and uh, we've been talking about all kinds of different things today. We basically have so many questions about faith, about mm-hmm. fear, all kinds of good, good stuff. I kind of just feel like we should jump into it because we got yeah. so many. Yeah. Let's do you it. Ready? Can we, you want to jump into Hold on, were you guys in community group yet? Uh, no, uh, mine not. is tomorrow. Yeah, not yet this week. Okay, so ours was last night and uh, the community group questions are just incredible. Like last night, we went. our group went till uh, past 10. Wow. And um, and we that had would we be had, PM? Yeah, we had to call it quits. Because, well, we have people have kids and so, well, so do you guys. Oh, yeah. But, um, you know, we started at 6.45. So it was three hours, 15 minutes, Clash Royale. Uh, but it was great just talking about faith and fear and learned a lot from just uh, my community group. And if you're not in a community group, man, get in one with people mm-hmm. who are serious about God, serious about being real, serious about being real with you, God, others, man. And I'm telling you, it just, I mean, I, I wrote the sermon and I was blown away by what people got out of it, what they were sharing. Um, my wife and I had a good conversation on the way home. Um, it was just an incredible night. And so I'm thankful for my group. Love them. It's great. Shout out to Pastor Matt's group. <laughs> yes. And all of our community groups and the team that writes those discussion yeah, questions. Oh my gosh. They're great. Yeah. Thank you for filleting my soul. <laughs> all right. This first question comes from Brenda. I knew a dog named Brenda once. Pretty sure this is not her. She says, when I think about what's scary about faith, I'm afraid of not being good enough for God or the best person I could be. How can I be a good Christian when I question every decision, desire, and my self-worth? Yeah. Well, th- there's a lot there. So you're not good enough. So sorry, mm. Brenda. Right. Yeah, none, none of us are good enough, and so that—that's the problem. I mean, that's how you—that's how you tell fake religion from real religion. Fake religion is, um, you know, you're good enough. God's your cheerleader. Mm-hmm. God wants to pep you up. You know, God's like a Red Bull, gives you extra energy to do go, what you want to do. Go, go. Or yeah. if you do these five things, yeah, you do these five things, then you're good. And that's just—that's just not the truth. I mean, the reality is, the more we press into Jesus, the more we realize how sinful we are. So that's why when Peter encounters Jesus. He says, depart from me, Lord, for I'm a sinful man. Isaiah, when he encounters God, I'm a man of unclean lips among an unclean people. Mm-hmm. So he's the prophet for the chosen people of God. I mean, that's just the reality. And um, so Brenda, right, you're not good enough, but Jesus is. And so that's where we have to press into him. And so self-confidence and self-worth comes not from ourselves, which is where the world says it comes from. It says it comes, the Bible says it comes from Jesus. My worth comes from Jesus. I feel worthless. Jesus says you were worth me. And so he died for me, he purchased me, he redeemed me. Um, you know, that's the, the the reason why you need to read your Bible and read the, the story of Boaz, great mm-hmm. name, mm-hmm. and what's his wife's name? Ruth. Ruth, right? Because Ruth felt We're going to try and get our children to yeah. pass. I don't know. I think if they're old enough, they could get married. If they're, yeah. right, there's only a four-year age gap. Oh, yeah, that's fine. That's very common. Yeah, no, good. So that'd be hilarious or awesome. But, yeah. um, but the whole point of that story is, you know, uh, Ruth's mother-in-law, Naomi, says, I have nothing to offer you, and mm-hmm. you have nothing to offer. You know, you, you're, we're, we're, we're two widows. Mm-hmm. And in the ancient world, your value came from the man that you were with. And so that whole story is my redeemer lives, and Boaz is the redeemer. He redeems her and purchases her back from literally being worthless, useless, whatever. And her value comes ultimately from that relationship with Boaz, who's not a man, ladies, don't, you know, don't hate on this, but he's a picture of Christ and how we're going to be purchased. And so... In, in the Bible, we all play the feminine role with God. Mm-hmm. So a lot of people have a hard time, you know, with God being father. And so, you know, that's, you know, patriarchal and keeping women down, whatever. Well, okay, what they fail to understand is that the church is the bride of Christ. So the Bible refers to 
God as Father and the church as bride. Even Israel, Israel is, you know, is is the 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 woman that God is pursuing, trying to purchase and redeem. And so, so that's just kind of the way the the uh, love story narrative plays out in Scripture. And so, we're being purchased back, both men and women, from God, our Father, who's redeeming us in our brokenness. And so, I would just take that to the Lord and say, Lord, I don't feel worthy, mm-hmm. and trust that God loves you and He gives us worth, right? Um, like, and, and so many people, they have a false sense of worth. So my wealth gives me a false sense mm-hmm. of worth, my looks, my intelligence, my accomplishments, right? Every human being's worth, when it comes down to it, comes from something outside of them because every human being deep within their soul knows something's missing. Mm-hmm. We all know that. Everybody feels that at their deepest, most honest level. So the question is, then what outside of me gives me worth? And at the Christian answer to that is Christ. I I am loved by Christ, I am redeemed by Christ, I am his, and he says, I'm worthy, I'm loved, I'm redeemable, I, he cares for me, I'm a son, I'm a daughter. And so the first thing I would say, Brenda, is take the tension off yourself and put it on Christ and trust Christ in those moments. Believe Christ when you don't believe yourself. Um, you know, in this 40 days of faith, you know, my faith has been rocked and challenged and I feel like, you know, like, uh, a prize fighter who's been, you know, just just dazed, man. Mm-hmm. I've just been whacked in the face and I'm kind of stumbling around trying to find myself. And I have to go back to, you know, my worth is not based upon do we raise the money or not raise the money. Mm-hmm. My worth is not based upon, you know, uh, fulfilling, um, you know, the, the the number of churches that got. My worth is, is fulfilled in Christ. And I need to trust him in that. And he doesn't love me anymore because I accomplish things. He loves me. Mm-hmm. And so I need to trust him in that and then go out and accomplish because I am rooted in that love. So her next part of her question was what? She also talks about that she questions just every decision and every desire in addition to that, which I think some of that is good. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think we do need to question ourselves um, and beyond. And that's just learning to be real with self in a healthy way. So now it can be unhealthy where you're never sure of yourself. You need other people to constantly validate every decision that you make. And that's dangerous if the people around you are not wise, mm-hmm. uh, are not kind, are not Christ-like. Um, so we need people to give honest input who love us and who love God. That's why, again, you need community group to speak into us. And so um, we, we all we all need that. Okay, here's what I'm thinking. Here's what I'm feeling. Does that line up with scripture? Yes or no? Okay, this is a difficult issue. So I've got to pull from other scripture sources to make a good decision about this. And so that's why we need people in that. I don't think that's a bad thing, Brenda. I think that's a good thing. Mm-hmm. We need, we need God has made us social creatures. I mean, that's just the reality. Now you need to be able to think for yourself. Uh, you need to be able to, um, you know, because ultimately you're not gonna be held accountable. You know, it's not gonna be group judgment, right? It's mm-hmm. individual judgment. So God's given us a mind. We need to love him with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. But it's okay to get help in that way. Um, so I think that there's a self-confidence issue and, and where that needs to come from is not from yourself. It needs to come from Christ. He loves me. He believes in me. And he's given me the gift of his Holy Spirit that lives inside me. So it's not just me. I'm gonna say, God, I wanna be guided by your Holy Spirit. I want you to lead me. I want you to guide me. I wanna listen to what you're telling me. And I believe the Holy Spirit will speak powerfully um, through you. The, her last sentence though, that kind of broke my heart a little bit. How can I be a good Christian when I question every decision, desire, and myself for I'm afraid of not being good enough for God or the best person. Mm-hmm. I can. Yeah, I would just say, actually, I think you are a good Christian because you question those things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You, you yeah. are, you're wrestling. People that don't wrestle with the things that you're wrestling with, Brenda, I think are blind to themselves. They're mm-hmm. blind to God and they're blind to others. Um, so I, I just think you have, you, you have the gift that a lot of people don't is they can self-reflect. Now, your self-reflection, I'm, I'm making this guess, is probably negative. It's overly negative. So you need to know that about yourself. I tend to be overly critical of myself. I tend to doubt myself. So how is God leading me to truth and trusting myself, trusting the Holy Spirit in me uh, and making a decision and feeling good about that? Um, you know, my wife and I, were very different. My wife likes to be validated by um, by others. She, she, she needs the truth to be repeated by others. And, other, and I, I don't. I When I come to a decision of, here's what I feel like is right, I don't care what anybody says because mm-hmm. I'm not going to be held accountable to anybody but God. And so mm-hmm. I've got to do what I, I believe is right. And um, But we're all different. Yeah, mm-hmm. We're all different in that way. So This whole uh, not feeling enough for God or whatever is, I've shared before is like one of my key struggles that I've kind of like pressed, you know, just had to work through. Second Corinthians, the end of chapter five, this idea that we are Christ's ambassadors mm-hmm. has been such a, I don't know, I think that's awesome. And, you know, Brenda, to think about God doesn't just love you enough to say, okay, 
you know, you can come into my hospital or whatever. But he's like putting you on his team, sending saying, I have a job and a role and yeah. an assignment for you. Like there's a ton of there. So even when you don't believe in yourself, uh, God is believing in you is I think the thing that has been really helpful for me at least. So there's a lot of cool stuff in that particular chapter. Maybe you can find some encouragement yeah. there. And what I would say, Brenda, is... Um, one of the ways that we grow in Christ is watching God use us. And this is why serving God is so important because mm -hmm. there might be somebody who's feeling that way. And it's amazing, Brenda, how God will convict you as you speak truth to someone else. Mm -hmm. You're valuable, you're loved. You're like, oh, wait a minute, this is for me too. Mm -hmm. Yes, it is. And so, uh, and then watching you actually bless somebody's life, watching you actually help somebody, that proves I have worth. I mm -hmm. just I just did something and mm -hmm. it made a difference and it, it, it made an impact and, and wow. I can, I can have meaning and I can have purpose and I can have value. Um, because a lot of what we do in our culture, you know, we make widgets or whatever. It's really, really difficult to find meaning and value from work. And so what we need to do is we need to shift that and find meaning and value from, from working for God and serving for God because we're, we're healing hearts and saving souls. And so we do that and man, it just, it just means so much. Boom. All right. This next question comes from Kira. And she says, I have a hard time distinguishing between fear and intuition of something being off. When my husband and I talk about it, he often says your six is showing. Throw back to our little Enneagram series there. He's, he says he has zero fear. While I thank God that he's able to balance me out when I'm being irrational, how do we work through the times when my fear has some validity? Yeah. So, okay. So six is, right? Um, when healthy, they read situations very, very well. They see things that often the other uh, numbers miss. And so that, that's the challenge is, is where is your health? Where, where are you being that? You can't be driven by your fear, but you're aware. Mm -hmm. It's that sixth sense, right? Number six, mm -hmm. that sixth sense. I can't say that sixth sense. Got it. It's hard for me to say. Um, and so uh, you say your husband has no fear. That's not healthy. Mm -hmm. No fear is not, right. So the Bible says that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So we all should be afraid of something. We should have a healthy fear. And, um, so, so I, I wouldn't assume that he is, you know, no fear is not courage, that's stupidity. Mm -hmm. So, uh, you know, right? So courage is moving uh, forward even in the presence of fear. It's understanding fear, being afraid, but still stepping forward because you believe in something greater than yourself. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, men need to be courageous, not fearless. Mm -hmm. um, you know, young people that are fearless don't live very long. So, or, or they or they live tragically deformed lives because they are unwise. One of the things I'm noticing here is that it seems like when she says, I'm having a hard time distinguishing between fear and intuition, um, is that she might, she's almost like inherently saying fear is bad, right. which I don't think is what no. you're arguing. <laughs> no. Um, because I think for her, fear is probably her loving her family, right? Mm. Wanting to protect them, wanting what's best for them. But it's what do you do in the fear? Yeah. Is that right? Yeah, absolutely. And, and just know, you know, um, so if you're a six, you're gonna have a hard time letting your kids uh, risk, play, have fun. You're gonna be afraid something bad is gonna happen. But you know, boys need to, especially raising boys, need to have the freedom to break an arm, to you know, let them explore and be courageous and be adventurous, just not do things that will kill them. Mm -hmm. It's okay for them to be hurt. That's part of the experience. You don't wanna shepherd your, your sons especially or an adventurous girl from being hurt in any situation. You know, you don't wanna be a helicopter mom. So let them, you know, uh, slip and fall. Just, you know, right? You got to calculate, is this reasonable mm -hmm. um, risk or, or not? Exactly. But, but some some moms, you know, they don't, they, they don't ever want their kid to fall or ever, you know, I mean, kids are resilient. You know, we have an 11 month old in our house right now and he bonks his head like every, <laughs> literally, I, 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 it's got to be every 10 minutes. I mean, whack. It's so true. And I'm just like, <laughs> Oh my gosh. And so, you know, but that's going to help him learn to be like, oh, my head's large. And it's, you know, it's, you're just like, it's, but we don't want him brain damaged, right? We want him to be, you know, a bright young man. And, and we all love, you know, baby Jack. And, but geez, man, he just whacks his head all the time. So, so I, th I think that's part of it is, you know, um, I, I know that Tammy and I, we had conflict. You know, Tammy knew, knew better than I do, did how to raise girls. I, I, I wasn't raised with girls. Uh, you know, my mom and our family with two boys and my dad, she adopted a lot of, you know, masculine traits to, to be a part of our family. We were a boy family. We went on vacations. And, you know, I don't think when my mom was 21 years and so old said, yeah, I'm going to get married and go on vacation and watch basketball games. Mm -hmm. But she did that because she loved her boys mm -hmm. and she loved her family. And so she, you know, th that, that mattered to her. And so uh, I think that's important for moms to get that you're raising little men. And part of the reason there's so few real men in life is women don't understand that I'm not raising a woman, I need to raise a man. And so 
my wife has had to trust me in saying, I need to, to, to treat him differently. And we've had, we, you know, we've had conflicts, you know, sometimes you'll feel like I'm too harsh or too whatever. And, and sometimes I am. Uh, but it was interesting, you know, we were doing uh, family sharing and, and my son said, dad, I want to thank you for, for treating me like a man. And mm. I know, he said, I know sometimes mom thinks it's harsh. He said, but I appreciate it. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. right. Because what, what he's realizing is I see in him that he's a man mm-hmm. and I, I, I need, he, I need him to be that man. And so, uh, that was a big uh, aha moment for my wife and for me, because, you know, you wonder, am I being too harsh or whatever? And I think, right, you know, uh, my wife's role is to help me temper, you know, uh, my lion tendencies <laughs> so that we don't have a dead son. Um, but uh, so that's just what I would say is, yeah. and again, you know, here's the balance. I think she's assuming her husband's all right and she's all wrong. That's why God created ma- them male and female. Ideally, okay, single parents don't crash the car while you're listening uh, or some of our our, our, um, our gay listeners don't, 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 you know, like send in any... The ideal situation is for a man and a woman to raise children together because they are different. Mm-hmm. And the feminine perspective and the masculine perspective bless and unify the family, right? The, it, it just works together. And um, one's not better and one's not worse. It takes both. And that's why uh, God is so for the family, a husband and a wife, so against divorce. He doesn't want anything to rip apart that family, but wants them to be together. Now I've now I just made all of our divorce people crash. Just just know, look, that that, that that's God's plan. You need both in order to make that happen, and um, you, you need to you need to work together. You need to not go lean one way, you know, or the other. Um, you know, like with the way my 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 son talks to uh, his mom, I say you need to be respectful. You need to treat her. You're training yourself for how you're going to treat your wife, and and he needs to know that. Mm-hmm. How you treat your mother is how you're going to treat your wife. So you need to be honorable and respectful and listen to her because she is the most important woman in your life right now. And so, or I'll say, do you want somebody to treat your sister that way? So, so don't assume your husband's always right. Be thankful for his courage, right? Nobody mm-hmm. wants to be married to a wimpy man. Be thankful for his courage. Be thankful for his bravery. Be thankful for the things he does. What I would say to him is he needs to learn to listen. And here's the mistake I made early on is I didn't listen to my wife. And so what I wrote off as being emotional, which is what I think she said, my wife was right many times, Mm. many, many times. You know, we we hired a pastor, this is probably year two at our church. And my wife said, I don't like him. I don't like him. He gives me the creeps. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh, you're just being a woman. You're being ridiculous. Well, that dude had an affair with another woman in our church within months. And I found out that he had a pattern of that and I should have listened. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't her fear, it was her intuition, mm-hmm. right? And so, you know, the old saying, a woman's intuition is always right. Well, that's not true, but it's it's often right. Mm-hmm. And uh, oftentimes guys, women see things and feel things that we don't. And so we need to learn to listen. What are some good ways to maybe kind of root out whether it's good intuition or just fear? Because I think that's like kind of the core of her question is she's saying, how do I know when it's my fear and I need to shut it down? Or how do I know it's my intuition? And right. And so, um, gosh, darn it. I wish I had this verse memorized, but Paul's prayer is that you would know the will of God and be able to discern that uh, and know that. And so what she needs to do is she needs to study God's word. She needs to grow in faith, grow in prayer. And as she gets to know God, she will know when it's God speaking or when it's her fear speaking, mm. but you have to know God. So, so a lot of Christians get frustrated because God doesn't tell us everything to do. Look, God is not trying to micromanage our lives. God's trying to raise children. And w- what do you raise children to do? To grow up, to be wise adults and make good decisions. That's what, that's what the scripture is. He's raising us up so that we don't have to have a verse for every single decision. We know the scriptures and we have wisdom and we can make good decisions. And, uh, you know, the Bible doesn't say anything about the internet, but if I have the wisdom of scripture implanted in my heart, you know, I've hidden thy word in my heart that I might not sin against God. I'm going to know how to navigate the internet and I'm going to, I'm going to know what to do. Like, I don't have any, um, what do you call it? Filters or mm-hmm. anything mm-hmm. on my phone or I don't need it. Like, I don't, I'm not going to go look at stuff because I know God and I, I know what sin is and I, I, I want intimacy with my wife and I want to I want her to be the object of my my love and my sexual affection. You know, that's what I want. Mm-hmm. Um so those things take away from that. So I don't I don't look at that. I don't I don't go there. Um and 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 just so for everybody out there struggling with that, one day if you continue to trust God, if you continue to follow God, you too can get there. 
but we all want the fix. We all mm -hmm. want the pill. You know, nobody wants to exercise and, and, and diet and eat correctly. They want the pill, right? Yeah. So, Okay, Tara says, I've realized and shared with our community group that I seem to have a stronger faith during times of tragedy or great hardship. But when it comes to the day-to-day -day difficulties of life, like kids getting sick, allergic reactions, turmoil at work, or stuff like that, my faith is not as strong and I'm in constant anxiety. How can I build my day-to-day -day faith? Yeah, man, amen. Thank you, Tara, for being honest. And I think that, you know, in great moments, I think we're all surprised by ourselves at how we can rise. And there's what, mm -hmm. and what that should teach us is there's a level of faith that's always there, we're just not aware of. Mm -hmm. And so the question is, how do you tap into that? And so that's why, um, you know, I didn't love my sermon this week. Uh, I think I should have done a better job with real faith requires that I negotiate my family issues. And I should have spent more time just the reality is it takes a lot of faith to navigate raising kids, mm -hmm. staying married, uh, going to work when you don't like it, um, you know, putting up with irritable people at church. And, you know, like th th those are real issues. And so that's why point number one was requires that I navigate my family issues. So David's first challenge to great faith was his older brother. Mm -hmm. And his older brother's like, you're an idiot. You know, what, mm -hmm. what do you know? You're nobody. Like, I know the real you. You're prideful and deceitful. And you're not here to fight him. You just want to see the battle. So, like, that's where faith begins. Is And, and so that's what I would say is, uh, Lord, how do I have faith now, you know, with my kids? How do I have faith, you know, when my husband comes home from work or, or uh, with my roommates or with college, right? People are hard. People are really, really difficult. And I think that, she said, I have anxiety and everything. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think you need to go back to our baggage series and really, really pray over the Sabbath piece. So, so many people are asking God to take away anxiety when God is asking us to trust him with Sabbath. So, do you guys know what today is on the Jewish calendar? Oh, is it? Tuesday. Uh... It's, it's the most important day of the year. Today is Yom Kippur. Okay. okay. So, one of the things that's all over the internet today is the freeways. People are riding their bicycles. The pagan Jews mm -hmm. are riding their bicycles on the freeways. Mm -hmm. Think about that. There's nobody out. So today is Yom Kippur, which is the Day of Atonement, which was where all religious Jews of all kinds of affiliations, like it's the day, it's the Easter, man. And they they come before God and they seek forgiveness and they repent. It is a big deal. Um, and so, um, but they have a culture of stopping we used to have that in America. We mm -hmm. don't anymore. And so that's why anxiety is rising because we don't stop. We don't rest. We don't, you know. Um, and so uh, Fridays are my Sabbath day. And we got invited um, by some friends to go hear Jason Mraz uh, oh. on Friday night. And I would have loved to have done that. And I just told Tammy, no, I, I need to stay at home and do nothing. Mm. Because, and yeah, it would have been great. It would have been great to go and I would have enjoyed that. But I'm already struggling with the anxiety of raising $10 million, trying to mobilize yeah. you know, 12,000 people. Uh, I'm doing one more Ironman because I'm stupid. Uh, <laughs> and I, I admit, I told all of you, the last one was my last, I lied, I'm a sinner. Remember threes, don't ever trust their goals. So, <laughs> right, I'm a classic three. So for everyone who thought you heard me say it was my last one, it was, I confess my sin to you as your spiritual trusted leader <laughs> who lied. So um, hopefully, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, I would like to wrap it up. That's, that's all I would say, I'm gonna say now. Um, <laughs> So I, I think that anxiety comes from checking social media. Social media has proven to produce anxiety. Yeah, totally. So Instagram, um, you know, Facebook, uh, Twitter, all of this stuff, the news, everything that's barraging us is creating anxiety. And mm -hmm. um, we, we just need to turn it off. I just think we do. Um, you know, get on to check with real friends, people that you actually care about. If you know, you, if you get on a site and that person's causing you anxiety, and I know a lot of people feel like, well, I can't unfollow them because it caused me drama. What's more important, your peace of mind or drama? And I would say, you know, just just click on and follow people that you love. Like I don't have anxiety about what my mom's doing. <laughs> like, it, it doesn't, right? If I, I oh, you know, yesterday was my mom's birthday, and you know, she went and ate uh, Leatherby's ice cream, which means a lot to me because that's what we did special as a kid. And so, oh, that's great. You know, her picture of her double chocolate, whatever cone didn't cause me any anxiety. Happy birthday, Peggy. Yeah. So mm. 72. Oh, amazing. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, um, so, so that's what I would say is look at your rhythms of life. Anxiety is your soul crying out for Sabbath. Mm -hmm. mm. Good one.
Yeah, you guys missed that one. Sorry, so we were resting. Let me say it again. Anxiety <laughs> is your soul crying out for Sabbath. That's what it is. Mm-hmm. You need to 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 settle down. You need to turn it off. And so here's the thing is, a lot of people don't know how to turn it off. And let me just help you. You don't know how to follow God. Oh, gee. So, there we go. Okay. All right. <laughs> All right. Uh, so Christopher didn't ask, I don't know how to truly rely on another person and I'm afraid that I never will. I just keep doing dumb things that keep me isolated and dependent on myself without faith. How can I change? Yeah, well, the first thing I would do is say is get in counseling. Obviously something's happened to you in your life. Mm-hmm. Um, people have been have been proven unreliable. So we were talking in small group last night and not to, to wreck everybody's community groups, but one of the questions that just rocked our group was how did your family... Uh, was it lead you to fear or faith? Or, yeah, or influence your fear of faith. Yeah, influence your fear of faith. And, you know, so I was talking with my mom uh, about her birthday and she was just reflecting kind of on life. And and for whatever reason, you know, she just was talking. She started reflecting on uh, the difficulties of her going from a stay-at-home mom to a career mom and what that was like. She had to go back to school, got hired as a teacher, but she wasn't done with school. Hmm. So she was doing both. Oh, wow. And one of the things I, I shared in group last night that I was really thankful for is I don't remember having any anxiety about that. Mm. My parents, my parents' fears did not become me and my brother's fears. Mm. Now my wife has a very different story. She, you know, has all these memories of, you know, going to the bank and or, or to the grocery store and the check not being accepted and her experiencing that and not being able to buy things that she needs. And so fear has been a huge part of her life. Money's a huge frightening thing for her life, right? And we're going to go start a church where we get paid by the generosity of people. <laughs> so you can imagine how terrifying that was for her, um, you know. But I just was so thankful. And so what I would say to this person is: go back in your life, do a life map. There's a great book out there. It's called Life Map or Road Map or I forget what it is. Stephanie will put it in the notes. I think it's Life Mapping. Okay. And sit down and map out your life. And basically you just kind of draw a chart of your life, the highs and lows, and you literally start at zero. So I don't, I don't have any memories till a four years old. My first memory is my friend getting hit by a car in Redlands. We wow. lived off Michigan street in Redlands. And uh, I, I saw my friend get hit by a car. It was terrifying. I remember him bouncing off the hood. Oh my gosh. So um, that's, that's my first memory. And oftentimes that's the horrible thing. Scary memories are our first memories. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also have a lot of great memories, feeling loved, feeling cared for. And so just kind of write that and it'll give you a picture of your life. Cause a lot of us have never thought about our life and, and people poo poo that, or they make fun of that, or that's just a bunch of self-help crap or whatever. Well, it helps. So if it helps yourself, do it, write it out and give yourself a snapshot of, okay, this is the way I am. Because here's the thing is, how sad is it if you meet this totally faithful, reliable friend, but you don't trust them now because of your past. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so I see, especially women do this all the time. They don't trust their boyfriend or husband they have today because of the one they had yesterday. And it's like, they're different guys. And I know women love to say all men are the same. They're not. And neither are all women. I mean, you know, these these oversimplifications in our culture drive me nuts, uh, you know, uh, and, and that's manifests itself everywhere. So not all people are the same. People are unique creatures that have unique challenges, that have unique stories. Um, you know, even this, I'm white, I'm black, I'm... Like, like all black people are the same, like all white people. Yes, there's some generalities, but man, every person is a unique story with a unique person. And, um, you know, like when I say I grew up in the ghetto, people are like, well, really? You know, most people would assume I grew up in Huntington Beach surfing. You know, mm-hmm. uh, no, man. I'm I, just confused to hear that you grew up in Redlands for a bit. Yeah, early, early, early. Mm-hmm. So yeah, till four. Well, so yeah. Well, welcome home to the Inland Empire, Pastor yeah. Matt. Yeah. You learn something new every day. Remember I was at Redlands where the woman introduced herself as someone who breastfed me? I do. Okay. Yeah, yes. that was at Redlands. So oh, I just assumed she maybe moved down from hippie NorCal. <laughs> yeah, dude. I don't know. So for those who don't know, I was I was a child of the seventies and apparently breastfed by multiple people. <laughs> Sorry, mom. Still love you. <laughs> okay, okay. So wait. wait. So, so, perfect. Oh yeah. okay. no, no. So we need to go back. So look, just because one person is not reliable, two, three, four, mm-hmm. or your whole family, mm-hmm. doesn't mean that there aren't healthy people out there who are reliable. And so. Um, you know, that's that's the joy of being mm-hmm. in sandals at 20 years. I know who to trust and who not to trust. Yeah. Because I I, I know the people that are with us. I know the people that have that have been solid, been faithful, and they're very, very special to me because mm-hmm. we have 20 years of history. Yeah. So. Yeah, and I think it's great to just start with like little steps. Like don't expect to rely on someone for, you know, some huge thing that, you mm-hmm. know, could be life or death for you, but just start taking little steps. And I think even getting into a small group and starting to trust people with little parts of your story is a good way to start kind of building that up and not being solely dependent on yourself, even emotionally. 
Yeah. Could be a great and I, person. And I would or say start this, a small group because then you can be control, in control of who's in your group. And just know yeah. that faithfulness, right, is a struggle for our whole, mm-hmm. our whole culture. We're not faithful. So start off by being faithful to attending church. People are mm-hmm. not faithful to that. Start off by being faithful to a community group. We've all been in community groups where people are not faithful in attending. Like uh, start being faithful with tithing. Mm-hmm. Like those are easy ways to begin to put your foot in the shallow end of the pool of faithfulness. Mm-hmm. Then find a friend. Then and and oftentimes, you know, if you can't find a faithful friend, that says a lot more about where you are than it does where they are. Mm. So you need to look at yourself and say, okay, what am I doing that drives people away? What am I doing that's you know makes people feel uncomfortable or whatever? And um, you know, I, I've told this story many times on the debrief, but there was this gal in our church, and she'd been with us for fifteen years. And single, wanted to be married, not you, uh, just so everyone listened, not Stephanie. Um, but she said, what am I doing that no one will tell me? Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, you really want to know? Mm. She said, yeah. And I told her and she cried, but she worked on it for a year and a year later she was married. And I just like, look, here's how you come across. And But she finally got to the place where uh, the pain of staying the same was greater than the pain of changing. Mm-hmm. And that's, man, that's when we change. And that's when that. we, mm-hmm. you know, that's when we go, okay. Um, and that's why sometimes, you know, uh, adultery as bad as it is or bankruptcy as bad as that is, oftentimes can be the platform that launches you into real relationships and real intimacy and mm-hmm. real experiences. Okay, that is the perfect transition to this oh, question yeah. that comes Whoa, in anonymously. finger snap. Oh, dude, I'm so stuck. Uh, uh, anonymous. I'm afraid to tell my wife that I've been struggling with pornography and lust. I've never cheated on her physically, but I know mentally that I have. Years ago, she caught me and threatened to leave me if I did it again, and I haven't been able to completely stop. I want and need accountability to keep me in line, but in my shame and guilt, I keep that silent and hidden from everyone. I need to confess to her, but I'm so utterly terrified to do so. How can I move forward when it could cost me so dearly? Yeah, so I'm sorry, Anonymous. Um, Many men have been there and some women. Mm -hmm. So, uh, you know, 70% of uh, porn viewers are men, but 30% are women. So uh, this is not just a uniquely male issue. And so, um, you know, I mean, one of the great questions I I think that will be asked in heaven is why did you give the man uh, typically such a a larger sex drive than the woman? Um, You know, I don't know what the answer is, but I'm guessing that if God gave women the same sex drive as he gave men, nothing would ever get done. So, (laughs) right, because you need somebody focused on child rearing and making sure the family, you know, um, like, you know, Tammy and I, we just think about sex differently. Like, you know, for her, that's something that happens when everything's done. And for me, that's something that happens so you can get everything else done, right? Like (laughs) we're, we're completely on different pages when it comes to that. And so we've had to talk about that. And so I, I don't think most women, um, like you need to not make uh, your husband feel guilty because they're more sexually um, uh, desirous, or I don't want to say horny. What I, sure. What word? Potent, sexually. Inclined. Inclined. There we go. Thank you, Stephanie. So, and, you know, part of- Fired up. Yeah, fired up. Thank you. Part of that, you know, loving your husband is understanding that that's a bigger part of his life mm-hmm. than yours. And so you need to try to meet him there. Now, husbands, you need to understand that that, that usually, not always, I've had wives that complain. My husband won't have sex with me. Yeah. I don't understand. So it does happen that way. Oh yeah. So whatever spouse is more sexually inclined needs to share fired that. Up. And, and fired up. And not feel dirty, not feel mm-hmm. shameful. Um, it's not lust when I want my wife. That is not lust. Lust is if I want your wife mm-hmm. or I want your husband. I was afraid when we were pointing at me and I was like, oh yeah. boy. Yeah, I said her husband, not you. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's lust. Lust is when you want something that's not yours. Mm-hmm. So, so it, you know, um, when God, when, when, right, when you, when you get married, the two shall become one flesh, right? We, we are each other's. We, we give ourselves to each other. So I think that if I could go back, I wish that I had the confidence to share with Tammy, you know, I'm really struggling in, in my 20s, like, mm-hmm. Oh my gosh, I never want to be 20 again. It just, it was awful. You know, um, the, the drive is so great, which what I would say to guys is there's a reason I think God calls Abraham to be circumcised. The most powerful drive for a male is his sex drive. And the picture of our sex drive is our penises. So what does God say? We're going to cut that back, right? I mean, we're going to take some off the top. That's what <laughs> circumcision is. So uh, the world is driven by sex. Mm-hmm. We 
are called to be driven by God. And so it's very different. So, but don't make your husband feel bad. Yeah. Um, and, and, and here's the thing, uh, you know, guys, talk to your wife about your needs, about what's going on. Um, you know, um, and here's the thing about Porn Anonymous is when you look at those images, it's going to make it hard for, harder for you to be sexually aroused when you see your wife. And you're going to train yourself to be sexually aroused by looking and not participating. Mm-hmm. And um, that is deadly. That is deadly to, um, you know, uh, sex life. And I remember, um, you know, cause I've looked at porn a couple of times, you know, when I've been married, very, very rare, but I really struggled with it when I was um, dating. And uh, I just remember one time Tammy said something to me and um, I can't remember why I, I had seen porn or something. It was a pre-internet, it was a magazine. And I don't know, I, I think somebody confessed it and gave it to me and I looked at it. So that's helpful. <laughs> um, but uh, she, she just asked me, she said, what would, you, what would you do if you came home and I was looking at porn? I, I was like, you know, I would, would kill me mm-hmm. because I want to satisfy those desires for her and her life. And so that's always kind of stuck with me. And it's just like, look, I, I don't want to hurt her. I don't want to uh, make her feel inadequate. And, and, and that's what I would say that your wife is doing is your wife is responding in fear because it makes her feel terrible and awful. And, and she doesn't understand. Yeah. Like she doesn't understand. Like my wife struggles not eating sweets or dessert. Like that's a full-time battle for, it is not for me. Like, I just don't like, there. We, I could live in a room full of tasty treats, Justin, mm-hmm. and all day and okay. never look hey, at it. man, sorry, I was <laughs> right, visualizing. Okay. But yeah. my wife could, could, could literally fold laundry in a room with pornographic magazines stacked to the ceiling and she would never look at it. Yeah. It, she just, it just wouldn't. You know, she, it just, it's not appealing to her. And so we have different hangups um, and, um, you know, and obviously sexual sin is different. I'm not saying it's the same, but you need to learn to have compassion for your spouse. Absolutely. My wife gets more caught up emotionally than I do, more hurt emotionally than I do. Um, women are drawn to emotional porn where guys are drawn to physical porn. And it's, right, what is soap operas? It's all the emotional crap without the sex, right? What's porn? <laughs> No emotional crap, just the sex. And so it's like, it's completely like we're different, but we got to make sure um, that we're loving our spouse, the one that God's given us, um, yeah. validating, appreciating, um, you know, uh, women, right? When, when when they have babies, their bodies change. They look different and you've got to be complimentary and encouraging and they already feel, um, you know, not the same and things aren't the same. And so you just have to write, you have to move forward. And so I just would say, First off, join our men's sexual purity group on Tuesday nights. That's the first thing that I would do. Mm-hmm. I would not talk to your wife first about right. this problem. Mm-hmm. I would talk to men about this problem because men are going to understand it. Men that hold you accountable, men that are going to help you stop doing this. And then I would say you probably need to get in counseling, not about your porn, but about your relationship. Yeah. And at some point, if there is a time and a space to talk about this, I would. But if your wife's unhealthy and you, you believe that telling her this is going to destroy the marriage, then that's that's not the time to do it. What I would hope for is that you guys could, you could grow in your sexual purity, you can grow in counseling. And if the Lord provides an avenue, I would share that. And my prayer for you is that you could share that you were struggling, but you've been able to find purity. That, that That's my prayer that the confession could come out because, um, you know, it, it, it's extraordinarily difficult. And just let me say this too, you know, I, man, I was getting a burger yesterday and uh, I ordered a double cheeseburger. Justin, you're gonna crack up. Mm-hmm. I get in the car, I take a bite of my double cheeseburger. I found a place that has gluten-free bread, mm. right? It doesn't taste right. It just doesn't taste right. But I'm in the car. I told Tammy I'm coming home. We're gonna, we're gonna connect, hang out before group. And I just, I take a look they gave me a chicken sandwich. I'm like, this is a major fail, right? So I go back in and, you know, there's a young couple in there. Dude, her shorts, I, I'm not exaggerating, halfway up her cheeks. Not not, not, not like partial. Oh, yeah, and no. I, like, I, it was a bad moment. I was going to take a picture of it and send it to Tammy, but I was like, this is not good. Like for a <laughs> well, pastor. Yeah. Hey, good. And, and it wasn't, good it wasn't because I was aroused at all. I was sad. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. I was sad. Cause it, like, she's probably younger than my girls. And I'm like, 
this is this is terrible. And ladies, don't believe the crap. You're not sexually free. You've become slaves in our culture. It is it's terrible what feminism has done to you. And you know, every time I hear somebody just celebrate a woman who's sexually free in porn, I'm like, you're a moron. Like that, that is not free. freedom. It's slavery. And women are so objectified in our culture. And and that's just like that's just wrong. And so it, it, I don't know. It, it, just, it just it broke my heart. But that's our culture. Mm-hmm. Our culture is women are sexual objects, and we use them for sexual gratification. And then ladies wonder why they can't find a man who will invest, who's loyal, who's truthful, who's whatever. And so here, anonymous, you've trained yourself to be unloyal to your wife. Now you have to train yourself to become loyal, and it's difficult. It is. It it's difficult because you've trained yourself. I don't know. I mean, some guys. Um, that I've met with look at porn several times a day. And ladies, what that means is they don't look at it. They, okay, if you have kids, press pause. Or skip forward. Skip forward. So what that means is they look out of and they're they're masturbating three times a day. That's an addiction. Mm -hmm. So, right, with an addiction, you, you have to call it what it is. You have to deal with it. And then you need accountability. You need a support group. You need you know, people that can come around you to help you stop doing that. And it's going to be difficult. Mm -hmm. It's going to be difficult. And anonymous, you're going to lose some battles, but this is about the war and the war is for your soul. Uh, And and what I want you to do is is have the long game in mind and just try to work through this and keep trusting God and keep pressing forward. And um, let me just say this anonymous, there was a time in my life where I was sexually addicted. It started um, probably in high school with uh, videos and magazines. And thank God, it, the computers were not around back then. And it was extraordinarily difficult for yep. me. But what's at stake is my soul mm-hmm. and my relationship with my wife. Mm-hmm. And nothing matters more to me than those two things. And yeah. so uh, I was able to do it. You can do it. It won't be easy. You can get through it. You might have some some failures, some mistakes. But man, trust God. Have Have a long-term view of this. Don't listen to the devil because what the devil's going to say is you're worthless and you'll never overcome this. Mm-hmm. Jesus says you're already an overcomer in him. So you have yeah. to trust him again. That goes back to Christ. And so um, just know, um, and let me say this, ladies, all of our lady listeners, don't go home today and go, do you look at porn? Yeah. Don't ask questions that you're not prepared for the answer. Yeah. Don't set your husband up that way because what you're going to teach him is intimacy is, is scary. Yeah. And, well, and, I was going to say yeah. even like, calling out like the way that his wife responded last time, like saying that she caught him and threatened to leave him if he ever did it again. Like, uh, I think I want to speak to ladies, like you can create a safe space for confession in your home and receiving confessions like that, or even responding with grace um, catching in the moment would be awful. Um, But receiving that well makes it so he's safer and feels safe to tell you again, if it happens again. I think threatening to leave him is going to, he's obviously hasn't told Yeah, he's again. terrified. And what it's, ladies, what's happened is he's alone. Mm-hmm. So in his most intimate marriage, he's he, he's alone. And mm-hmm. that's terrible. And, um, you know, I've, I've had to share with Tammy when I looked at something yeah. uh, that I shouldn't have looked at. And, and that's awful and it's terrible, but I would rather have a relationship where we're real oh, than yeah. that's false. And so let me say this again, because I don't know if I was clear. My wife has an emotional capacity that's greater than our relationship. She does. And she she looks outside the marriage to have that emotional capacity filled. Most men have a sexual capacity that is greater than the confines of a monogamous relationship. What I've had to learn to do is I've had to increase my capacity for emotional connection. Um, like my wife would say, I want you to be my best friend. And I would laugh at that. Well, what I, what she's saying is I need more emotional connection from you. Mm-hmm. So I need to provide that. My wife has had to learn that she needs to help provide more sexual intimacy for my capacity because it takes two things. Number one, it takes me being committed to the marriage and committed to her, and it takes her being committed to being an active uh, sexual partner. Mm-hmm. And 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 my wife's been great a- a- about that, and I, I appreciate that we could come together. Let me say this. It wasn't easy. We, man— you know, I would say it's probably pretty normal to fight about this a couple of times when you try to talk about it because this, what we tend to do is not talk about these things, but we need to talk about it. And, um, you know, uh, women tend to want to have sex when they feel intimate and close. Men want to have sex when they're hungry, when they're lonely, when they're scared. You have any other times? When I'm not hungry, when I'm not lonely, when I'm not scared. Yeah, when we're sick. Like, <laughs> like when I'm not you know, sick. Yeah, we're not sick. And so it's just it's just different. And understand, you know, God has made that difference. And 
um, we, we've we've got to figure it out. And so, um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right, this last question here comes from Larissa. She says, Pastor Matt uh, talked about faith and Goliath this last week. I mentioned, not let anyone look down on you because you're young. As a single woman with a successful career teaching middle schoolers, it's disappointing that many people find me not to be successful because I'm not married with kids. How do I have faith to use my skills and face my giants when many people frequently tell me I'll be a better Christian only when I'm married? Yeah, Christians are idiots. Yeah. I, I'm sorry, Larissa. Mm. I, you know, again... God's will for your life is for you to love him. And if that includes a husband, great. And if it doesn't, great. We're, we're not here, gosh, we just spent like the last 10 minutes talking about sex. We're not here for sexual intimacy. We're here for spiritual intimacy. Okay, that's why we're here. That's why God made us. That, that's the desire of our heart. Um, and I know that's hard for us to comprehend. And that's why Jesus says, right, when they ask the question, you know, a man is, a woman is married to seven different men. Whose wife is she? Yeah in the kingdom of God. And he's like, you don't know squat. I mean, like Jesus slams them. Yeah. He's like, that's a stupid question, right? That, I mean, that's what a teacher's never supposed to do. Jesus is like, you guys are idiots. That's the dumbest question. And he says, because you don't understand God and you don't understand eternal life. Mm-hmm. He says, in heaven, we will be like the angels. What does that mean? We will be intimately satisfied with God. That's what it means. We Everything will be fulfilled. The only reason you have a sexual desire is because God gave you one. Mm-hmm. So if he takes it away, guess what? You don't have one. You have a desire for something else. And, and God is going to fulfill that. And um, the next life will not look like this life. And praise God, think of all the shaming that takes place because of sexual desires. Like women feel, so much of what women and men feel about themselves is simply related to sex. Mm-hmm. I'm not desirable, I'm not manly, I'm not beautiful, I'm not thin. I'm, think about, so everybody talks about all the good that sex does. Sex wrecks culture. It makes brothers turn on each other, mm. best friends mm-hmm. break up because of some girl. Like, I mean, it it is it it's beautiful and it's destructive. And so Jesus is saying, look, we're, you're not gonna be destroyed by sex anymore. You're going to actually learn to treat people for who they are mm. and not evaluate somebody because of how sexually appealing they are. And, um, you know, even our language, when we describe older people, oh, she's still so beautiful. Well, okay, at some point we all get hideous. So, <laughs> right? So what we're saying yeah. is it's a, she's still sexy. Well, okay. You know, I'm not gonna be sexy at 90. It's not happening, right? It's, it's just stupid. So we, we gotta understand that, that that's just that that's just not the case. I forgot what the question yeah. was. I should basically say people feel like I'm not successful because I'm not married. Um, how do I start facing my giants when I feel like no one believes in me. Yeah, forget them. Nobody believed in David Mm. and move forward and trust God and be a great, amazing junior high school teacher and love those kids and Mm -hmm. pour into those kids. I mean, how many kids' lives are changed because of one great teacher? Oh, yeah. yeah. One great teacher. You know, I think about my sixth grade teacher. Uh, You know, I was an ADD student, um, just horrible. And in the 80s, you know, they didn't really know what that was. Uh, But Mr. Galloway, every single day, do you have your, your your spelling homework? And I would lie to him every day. Yep. And, I, and it was not in my bag. And he would look and then he would put it in my bag. And he said, you know, I, I'm expecting you. You're very bright. You know, and he changed my life. He, he was the first teacher that made me feel special and allowed me. And it's because he was invested. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, right. Any Anybody can fall in love. Very few people can be a great teacher. Mm-hmm. So do that, be that. And, and if God provides that pathway, I mean, you know, think about, you know, you, you're praying in the longing of your heart. Oh, yeah. um, but you had, the, the truth is you had a very successful, meaningful life as a single oh, person. absolutely. And okay? I think my career functioned a lot differently before I was married to where, like, I don't get to focus on that in the same way yeah. and build that in the same way. Um, and I wonder too, for her a little bit, how much is people actually telling her that she's not or successful she or that, she perceives yeah. that people think that she's not successful um, cause I think I would have felt like, oh, everyone's judging me because I'm the only, like I would sit in meetings sometimes like I'm the only single person in this room right now. Everyone probably knows this. Everyone probably cares. And I don't think they did. Like I was able to pay attention. I did my job really great. Um, and I think people noticed that more than. I never wh- thought here comes single Stephanie. <laughs> did yeah. you? No, I never, yeah. I, I never attached that adjective to your name. Yeah. And so I would guess that probably in her workplace, it's probably similar. I'm sure there's some people asking you why, like, why aren't you dating? Why aren't you married? But I don't necessarily think they're tying that to your success in the way that you might be. Um, maybe you have some real jerks that you work with. And if so, I'm really sorry. Um, but I think some of that is what pressure we put on ourselves. Like, oh, yeah. I'm I'm not successful and everyone's looking at me because I'm single, but they're probably not. And you're probably a really great teacher because you're able to spend time and focus on it 
more so than the teachers who have families to get home to at the end of the day and they have to shut it down. Right. So one of the things I think I love about Christianity uh, is just that the history of our faith too. You know, there are other people we can look to. Mm-hmm. Um, like I'm just thinking about Teresa of Avila. She's this awesome mm-hmm. old saint lady who's written some really, just really incredible writings. And some of them are about her singleness. Um, you know, I think there are other people along those lines. Like there are probably people you can look to, uh, even to just help you get grounded or find, um, you know, somebody who's in walk in walking in your shoes and stepping into the, the feelings that you're trying to, mm-hmm. um, maintain so yeah i want to do a series um i I think i want to call it did we talk about this last week socially clueless or Mm -hmm. and just look at all the one another passages where we just study that and the reason is all of those passages are in there because we're socially clueless and we need to we need to be careful about what we say around single people Mm -hmm. um you know people of different ethnicities people from different backgrounds new christians old christians like we need to be sensitive to that uh and aware because Man, how how sad is that? Is you know, if she's in a small group and the, and the whole small group's married and they're making her feel that way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, uh, we we love hang. We have a a great single friend named Amber, and uh, you know, we hang out all the time. And I I've never once thought, oh, she's a third wheel. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, she's a wheel that helps make her family go right. Mm-hmm. More wheels, easier rolling. Man, <laughs> I love it. And uh, and she's she's been great. And um, you know, I think about. Uh, some of our married friends who didn't have kids when we were first married, they were so helpful, mm-hmm. so incredibly helpful because there was extra hands on the deck, man. Mm-hmm. And and especially when you have like you, you're like the Noah's Ark, man. All your kids, <laughs> man. You know, it's 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 a real challenge. And um, you know, we have a, a missionary family living with us. They have four kids under the age of ten, mm-hmm. and man, it's it's literally like a zoo every day. And but the reality is you know, I can take the kids for a walk or we mm-hmm. can, you know, we can do something and, and it, it helps. And so uh, single people are a great help. Jesus chose to be single. The apostle Paul chose to be single. Jeremiah, the prophet was called to be single. And so um, God does great things. Jesus says it's better. Yeah, It's better. If you can do it, it's better. You, you're going to have a more focused life than when you're married. Just like Stephanie was saying, um, you know, when she was single, man, she was always available. That's yeah. just the reality. Because I got to do some really cool things because yeah. I could pick up and take a flight to India or yeah. do whatever. So yeah, now you can't. I'm not getting on a plane with you and Ruth for a thousand <laughs> no, hours. Neither am I. Oh my gosh! <laughs> not that she's not adorable, but, but oh no, my gosh. she started screaming lately. You don't want to be on a plane with her. Jack, baby Jack, how old is Ruth now? Uh, four months. Four months. So Jack's eleven. He is a screamer. <laughs> I call him pterodactyl. Oh yeah, that's what I started calling her yesterday. Oh. Love you, Jack. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> you guys, we just made it through episode 120. So not only can you find all these things online at debrief.show slash 120, I think to close out the show, because 120 is like a big deal. Why are you holding I'm, that? Yeah, I'm gonna be, I'm just going to no. do this 120 times. No, no you're not. We'll see you guys next week. Yeah, you're going to get fired. Yeah. Oh, the bell's been taken. You guys, it was in my heart to celebrate, but Pastor Matt stole it. Yep. That's what they call me, the thief of joy. <laughs>